you are Locked On Jazz, your daily podcast on the Utah Jazz. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. It is Locked On Jazz for the 25th of November. Welcome to Milwaukee, Wisconsin. We'll talk about the Jazz weekend of two wins, get you ready for a big matchup with the Bucks, and do our Monday look around the NBA to see where everybody sits and how everyone's playing. That's all coming up on today's edition of Locked On Jazz. Pow! I just hit the table. Ow. Ow. Yeah. I really do do it, as you know, if you watch the live show. I actually do do a drum roll. I'm David Locke, radio voice of the Utah Jazz, Jazz NBA Insider. This is Locked on Jazz, your daily podcast on the Utah Jazz, giving you insight, expertise, geeky numbers, and making it way better, hopefully way better, not just better, but way better for you to be a Jazz fan. Hope you're good. Uh, If you're in town and still working around the Thanksgiving week, and thanks for tuning in if you're on a little break and this is your mechanism of staying touched in. Thank you very much. We appreciate it. Uh, so the Jazz win both this weekend, and they looked better doing it. Now, they also were playing two inferior opponents. Uh, the Warriors just don't have talent, and New Orleans has no defensive integrity at all in what they're doing. Uh, but there are a bunch of things that look better. Three-point attempts the last four games. 36, 32, 33, 31, 34. That's actually the last six games. That's better. Um, Three-point makes is ridiculous. Uh, 42%, 44%, and 42% uh, the last few games. Uh, Our offensive ratings have actually, against New Orleans, was pretty high. It was our second-best offensive game of the year, only surpassed by our outing against the previously against the Warriors. And our Warrior game was the sixth best. Minnesota was our eighth best. So we're be, you know, not beginning to look a little bit more of what we'd expect after pretty poor offensive performances against Memphis and Minnesota. Um, all those performances are about 107 on our rating system. Last night was our Saturday night was a 119. You know, you're really you're doing some things pretty well. Um, as we've talked about, the lack of offensive rebounding, which I think is just going to be something that of who we are all year limit some of those extra uh, possessions. And so some of our offensive rating numbers are going to be tough. But here's the more encouraging numbers. against, And obviously shots have to go in. But uh, against Brooklyn and Memphis, we had 16 and 17 assists. Uh, to open the year, we had under 20 assists in three of our first four games, in four of our first, in five of our first seven in six of our first nine, in eight of our first 11 games, we had under 20 assists. Our number used to be 30. We haven't hit it yet all year. Uh, we've hit it in the last four games, 20, 22, 23, 29. So maybe our number is now 20, uh, just with a different team. We don't pass nearly as much as we used to, which, you know, I actually don't know that there's a correlation between passing and uh, good offense. We used to have to pass because we didn't have players who could make plays, and so we just ran action. And as we try to play a little faster, it also means that we reduce our possessions. But we've gone from 389 passes, number one in the league, to 286 passes, 100 less in a span of five years, to 24th in the league. 
Last year we were seventh at three fourteen. This year we're twenty fourth at two eighty six. I think that's more of a representation. Just we have a different team. I I, I really am not entirely sure whether passes. I'm not sure there's a correlation between passes and good offense. I th- I'm I don't I actually don't think there is. And so, um, as we try to play a little quicker, we probably do drop our passing numbers a little bit. The thing that's just so interesting about this team, and it's a little bit of how the league is defending things now, is one of the questions we asked all offseason was, you know, what happens when Quinn Snyder's offensive system gets great shooters? Well, they're still great shooters. Um, we are the number one catch-and-shoot team in the NBA. And the problem is getting teams to give you catch-and-shoot opportunities is really, really difficult. Uh, Teams are just hugging those shots right now, not allowing you to have that opportunity um, to get those looks, and and understandably so. When we get a catch-and-shoot three, we're 41.6%. Um, that is 1.2 points per possession. We'll kill you with those. The problem is we're only getting 16.7 a game, which is the third fewest of any team in the league. Um, but, you know, you, you can get it, right? Like, teams are not allowing set. We're seeing us hunt threes a little bit more. Uh, Boyan has taken seven or more three attempts. In And these are the guys, right? Uh... Boyan's taking seven more three attempts in each of his last five games. He's 18 of 39 on those, which is incredible. Donovan is suddenly launching, and boy, was he great this weekend. And we'll talk about the game specifically uh, in just a moment. Uh, Donovan's suddenly getting eight or nine. Mike Conley's getting his. So you're seeing this, I think, just the big picture take I'm trying to give you is Maybe somewhat based on opponent, but against some lesser opponents earlier this year, I don't think we saw it. We're seeing the Jazz kind of begin to find a little bit of this vibe of who they are, who they want to be. Now, this road trip we're about to embark on could set us back a little bit, right? The This is, this is about as difficult as it gets. The five teams we're playing have a combined record of 49 and 28. We're playing the 1, 2, 5, and 6 seeds in the East. Obviously, all on the road. Milwaukee's thirteen and three. Indiana's nine and six. Toronto's eleven and four. Philadelphia's eleven and five. So, you know, it'll be interesting to see how we feel about ourselves at the end of this trip. But right, and and we're playing some terrific defensive teams. Um, and so we could see a step back. I wouldn't be surprised. And then, particularly if Rudy doesn't go tonight, um. It will be, it will be, super difficult um, to to get that vibe. We play Milwaukee, who's the third best defense. Indiana, who's the sixth. Philadelphia, who's the seventh. Toronto, who's the eighth. Okay, so we play four of the top eight defenses on this trip. We could have our offense. We could really be talking in a week about how much our offense is struggling. If we're not. We've made a major breakthrough. Uh, by the way, back for one second, just because the the uh, 
prolificness of it is pretty awesome. Catch and shoot threes. Boyan, 45%. Donovan, 39%. Royce O'Neal, 50%. Jeff Green, 29%. Excuse me, Jeff Green, 36%. Joe Ingles, 29%. Mike Conley, 34%. So we're number one in the league with Mike Conley not where he's supposed to be, where Joe Ingles not where he's supposed to be. And no one really way out of whack. Boyan's 45, second best in the NBA, kind of matches to where he was um, a year ago. All right, so that's my big picture of where we are. We're seeing things come together. Tony Bradley was terrific to get through that game without Rudy. Uh, tonight might be too much to ask in that regard. Um, but I thought we've seen where we're coming together. Uh, let's dig specifically into those games uh, and some takeaways on some individual players. Uh, Donovan particularly playing without Rudy. And uh, then dig into uh, Milwaukee before we look around the NBA. Today's show brought to you by Murdoch Chevy. Murdoch Chevy is located in Woods Cross, also up in Logan. Uh, I'm driving the Chevy Blazer right now. I'm getting a lot of people that stop me and say, wow, that is a sweet looking car. Uh, Jeremy Castro works jazz broadcasting. I were walking out to the parking lot and he was like, wow, I'm going to go get one of those. Um, you know, it's. These are, uh, it's just a nice, the Blazer's back, Chevy's rebuilt it, and it's just a super uh, nice looking car. I was talking to Ben Murdoch this weekend and asked him if like that's in there. Like, yeah, we're getting rave reviews on the Chevy Blazer. So check it out over at Murdoch Chevy. Also, the Suburban and the Tahoe, the SUVs you know well, the trucks or the Silverado. That is such a beautiful truck, as well as the Colorado. Just absolutely, uh, you know, the truck line is Chevy, right? That's Chevy, 90 years in Utah, Chevy in Americana, Chevy. That's what the Murdochs are all about. Uh, but this Blazer is worth checking out. If Also, the Equinox and the SUV lineup and the Trax is the smaller one. The Traverse is a little bit bigger. Chevy's really got a great lineup of cars. You can feel it when you're in it, how solid it is, how well it drives. And then also uh, how easy the uh, interface is. They actually... Uh, I think they've redone that, and it shows you kind of the level of detail that they're going to uh, to make that an even better experience. That's Murdoch Chevy, located in Woods Cross, also located in Logan. Stop by, say hi to Ben, and check out the Chevy Blazer. I wanted to look at just kind of those two games specifically and give some thoughts on it before we dig in uh, to the game against and then the Pelicans and then before we dig into the game tonight and then we'll do our Monday Monday run around Monday run around is kind of our chance to to look at what's taking place and uh, let you know where the league stands audible by the way is the world's largest selection of audiobooks audio entertainment start listening with 30-day audio trial choose one book two audible originals absolutely free visit audible.com slash locked on NBA listening on the go if you can't visit Audible right now, you can find these and all other offers from Locked On sponsors at LockedOnPodcasts.com slash offers. That's LockedOnPodcasts.com slash offers. All right. So, Warrior game. I mean, I saw some absurdity. Worst game Jazz have played all year. No. Like, that close wasn't great, and we need to be better about that. Um, and the defense, you know, hurts your defensive rating. Um, but... 
every team in the world, when they're playing an inferior opponent, is going to open the night by trying to win the game offensively. Then, when that doesn't work, they'll put the clamps down defensively. And then, you know, we let go of the rope with like seven minutes left. The guys went to the bench and didn't think they were coming back in the game. And they had a hard time plugging in. And it's a great testament to how good every single player in this league is. Because uh, even the Warriors, who are probably playing an inordinate inordinate amount of players from player 350 to 450 um, on the list of the top 450 players in the world, those are still 350 to 450. They can still hoop. And they can still put the ball in the hole. So when you stop playing, that's what happens. And they did. There's no question. The Jazz let go of the rope against the Warriors. Um, they probably need to stop doing that. I don't really worry about it a great deal. It's not high on my list. Ron Boone, if you listen to Postcast, was a bit more bothered by it than I was. The next night, um, that was inevitable. The Jazz were shooting 50-some-odd percent in the first half. They were shooting 35%. You just don't get games that end like that. Um, You know, games don't finish with teams... Shooting one team shooting very often, shooting sixty percent, and the other team shooting, you know, thirty-five. Uh, it evens out at some point during a. That's why, and particularly against the Pelicans, who are playing such a fast-paced game, you knew that game was going to even out. And um, I really never thought the Jazz were going to lose. I, I got a little concerned the way how fast the Pelicans got it to ten early in the third quarter, and so my, you know, my concern at that point was that. There's just too much time to play, and without Rudy, they might be the better team. Did not turn out to be the case. That was the fastest pace of play game we played all year at 109 possessions. Um, And I'm not sure that that's really to our benefit. Um, We need to pick up the tempo tempo offensively a little bit in that uh, when we, you know, we're 30th in the league in half-court possessions. In other words, we're getting the most. Um... But when we play fast uh, against the Pelicans, 109 was our fastest pace of play. Our defensive rating was a 108. Against the Brooklyn, when our pace of play was 107, our defensive rating was 105.6. Against Minnesota, when our pace was 108, our defensive rating was a 104.3. These are are our least good defensive performances of the year. And, you know, the minute we get above 105, in our pace of play, or but probably 107 in our pace of play, it's usually that we're not, you know, we're not playing transition defense as well, and so the pace of play is accelerating. And that was true the other night. But without Tony Brad, without Rudy Gobert, having your defense still hover around league average is pretty impressive. Uh, Tony, specifically the game, Tony was terrific. He made himself available. He got eight shot attempts. Uh, he covered ground as well as he could. He had a young center. It was a perfect matchup for him in that sense that he was going up against a young center who he could you know, somewhat take advantage of in Jackson Hayes. Uh, and, but it, it was great. I mean, Tony's kind of gone up and down and struggled, and to have him have that game is just terrific. Uh, I was super excited for him. The Jeff Green center lineup is actually numerically looking pretty good right now. Uh, and is a lineup that I actually am glad that we're playing because I, I do think we're going to need it at some point in time. The most impressive thing to me, and probably doing a terrible job here and bearing the lead of the whole weekend to this point of the show, is Donovan Mitchell just came out 
on Saturday night like a star and said, jump aboard. This is my team. Big guy's not here. Let's go. And that was pretty awesome. Donovan's first quarter scoring was pretty superstar level, let me take care of this, we're going to be okay type performance. He's gone back-to-back games of 30. He's got five games of 30 or more already. He had 17 all of last year. Um, He's been incredible. Six or more rebounds in six of his last seven games. If he goes for 30 tonight, which is actually possible the way Milwaukee defends, it will be the uh, first time he's gotten 33 games in a row since last year when he did it in January. His above-the-break three-point shooting is amazing. He's becoming really almost impossible to guard. And it was interesting. I was talking to Alvin Gentry after the uh, media session the other day, and he was just, without being asked, just raving about Donovan. Just raving. These coaches around the league all know it. We know it. He's, but it's, it's interesting to see what he's doing. And he is having, as are a bunch of other people, and we've talked about this before, how difficult it's going to be, he's having an all-star caliber year. He has really taken his game, improved, I, I made, made a really big stride that is eliminating anyone who doubted whether he's going to become you know, a elite-level guy. He, he's doing some things right now that begin to make you, you know, wonder what the next step is. So the three-point shooting growth to 39% right now. Um, He was at 36 last year. And his shot has always looked so smooth. And now he's put in the time with Johnny Bryant to get it right. Just to put this in perspective, Dame Lillard's best three-point shooting year ever in his career was his second at 39. Other than that, Dame has never exceeded 37% three-point shooting. Now, Dame takes nine a game, and he takes them off the bounce, and they're crazy difficult to take, and that's what Donovan is trying to learn right now. But, and Dame takes six or seven off the bounce threes a game, which is a lot, and those are not as high a percentage shot as a catch-and-shoot three, so it's hard to maintain your numbers on that. Donovan trying to get better and better on that. He's off the bounce three, has slipped. He's in a little bit of a slump right now. Uh, has slipped to 32%. He was up at 37%. That's going to be the number to watch. Uh, over the last five games, even while dropping 30, Donovan's 2 of 10 on that shot. He's, um, And that's the one to watch. The off the bounce three, as Donovan can zero that in, that's where he just becomes... Just unguardable. Absolutely unguardable if he can figure that out. But he has been just great. And his energy and effort level and defensive effort level is elite right now. It's pretty cool to watch. Uh, he gets an open catch and shoot. It is it is cash money. And his next step is that, that shot we're talking about. Since January 1, he is shooting about 45%, 41% from the field. last Since January 1, 26 points, 5 rebounds, 5 assists, 45% from the field, 41% from three. 
in 60 games. It's pretty awesome. In fact, it's more than pretty awesome. It's bona fide. All right, we'll run around the NBA. Oh, Milwaukee. Um, we'll we'll run around Milwaukee, and then we'll run around the NBA. Quick, Some quick thoughts on Milwaukee. They've just changed a few things they're doing um, and give you some things to watch for the night. Today's show is brought to you by Homie. You've seen the Homie blimp floating around Vivint Smart Home Arena. Homie is revolutionizing the real estate world. The old system, you just had no choice. You paid your sick year 3%. They paid theirs. If you're selling, you actually ended up taking the whole uh, kit and caboodle and end up having to pay for everybody else. Well, that's not how it's going to work anymore with Homie. Not only can Homie sell your home for you, but you can buy a home with Homie. Why would you choose a Homie agent? Well, customers rave about their service, and they give you up to $5,000 back to help you with closing costs. Homie does all the regular things. They help you out, show you the dream home, tour homes, make offers, negotiate the best deals, work to get you that $5,000 back is where they're a little different. That money you pay for the home is used to pay the seller, their agent, whatever agent you choose to hire. It's your money that pays both agents. So Homie is returning $5,000 to you. It's pretty awesome. It's a new way to do this. So text LOCK, L-O-C-K-E, to 88588. That's 88588. An experienced local Homie agent will help you every step of the way. You can buy with Homie and save thousands because Homie's got your back. Monday means Hollinger and Duncan is out for you. Tomorrow, rejecting the screen comes out. And Locked on NBA Monday edition with Josh Lloyd is always one of my absolute favorites. He talks to the hosts with the, on the biggest stories of the local experts around the NBA every Monday. All right, Milwaukee, Ron and I watched them on the plane. No Chris Middleton. So what Milwaukee used to do is they used to run one team, which was the Giannis team. And then when Giannis went out, it was the Middleton team. Middleton's usage rate uh, was was really high. I actually think they look better without Chris Middleton right now. Uh, I don't know that this is actually true. Um, and I guess I could look up some numbers to try to find this while prepping today. But it looks to, and they've won seven straight. It Just visually, they look much more difficult to guard when Chris, without Chris Middleton in the second unit. Here's what they're doing. When Giannis is in the game, they'll run their regular stuff. They, it gets clogged up a little bit in the half court. They know you're dropping off Giannis. Um, and Giannis is just incredible, right? I mean, he's just incredible. Um, but he doesn't have a great outside shot, so you sag off him. And there's, there's some things you can do with Giannis. The, what, when they had Middleton on the floor, they would kind of just run their offense through Chris Middleton. Now what they're running, when they have both Middleton off the floor because he's injured and Giannis off the floor, is they're running five out with Bledsoe bringing the ball up the floor, and the trailer is Brooke Lopez. Well, Lopez is pretty good from three, so when Lopez trails, your big, which is either Tony Bradley or Rudy Gobert tonight, regularly will be sitting at the free throw line trying to make sure that you cut off Bledsoe's drive. But if you sit at the free throw line, he gives it to the trailing Lopez who walks into a three. Not ideal. When Detroit suddenly pushed the ball up, and or when Detroit pushed the big up to deal with Lopez, then Bledsoe just blows by his guy because Bledsoe is probably one of the quickest one-on-one players in the league and is at the rim with the big up worrying about Lopez. 
And particularly they're doing this in transition where you are really got to be aware of the trailer. It's pretty impressive. Their defense has not been very good in these lineups without Giannis, um, interestingly, but their offense has been great. In fact, their offense with Bledsoe on the floor without Giannis or Middleton is a 120.5. Um, and so in that sense, frankly, I actually feel like they're they're almost a little bit better. Um, you know, Middleton's got his value, and I'm not trying to diminish in Max All-Star, but what they used to do is just turn it over to Middleton, and the offense was good, and Middleton's potent, but it wasn't nearly as good. It was 106, you know, 106 points per 100 possessions. In fact, with Middleton on the floor this year and Giannis off, they're minus 10 per 100 possessions, and they're positive when it's Bledsoe without Middleton or Giannis. So in that sense, I think they're, they actually look a little bit better. Giannis is incredible. There was a play where Giannis got a steal, picked up the ball outside the three-point line, never took a dribble, and then dunked it. Never took a dribble and gathered outside the three-point line. He's really, he's really amazing. All right, what's going on around the league? Milwaukee is the number one differential team in the league at 13-3. and three. Dallas is two at eleven and five with a nine plus nine. Point differential is the best indicator of where your team is, particularly early in the season. Though we're getting past the early in the season mark. Lakers three, Boston four, Toronto five, Clippers six, Philadelphia seven, Denver eight, Miami nine, Indiana ten. What a road trip we're on! We're playing four of the top ten teams in the league, and we're 11. 11 teams are plus four above. I've always said that's kind of my number of where if you're really good, you're plus four. And if you're really bad, you're below it. So if you're really bad, you're Sacramento, New York, Cleveland, Charlotte, Memphis, Atlanta, Golden State. Interesting one to me is the way the standings sit right now. I'm actually somewhat comfortable Thinking this this is actually could be how they end too. Maybe New Orleans makes a run, but honestly, their defensive integrity is so bad. But in the East, Milwaukee is one, Boston is two, Miami is three, Toronto is four, Philly is five, Indiana is six, Brooklyn is seven, Orlando's eight. If I go back to my predictions, I think that's like almost exactly what the points gained predictions had this year. I, I I think that would be strange if that's really too, true um, because my points gain system is not that good. I wonder if this is it. This has not been saved since July. So I worked on something in September, so I'd have to... No, this is not it. Um, I'll have to look and see if I can find it. Uh, I was... But that's... So I don't actually think anything in the East changes. Washington's five and I mean in the sad thing is Orlando's six and nine. But I don't think see Washington, Charlotte, Jim Boylan's Madhouse, Cleveland, Detroit, Atlanta, or New York making a run. So I actually think the eight playoff teams in the East are set, and the only question is whether Philadelphia, who's seven and zero at home and four and five on the road, gets rolling in some way. Toronto's six and zero at home. By the way, here are the home records we play this week. Milwaukee five and one. Toronto six and zero. Philadelphia 7-0, and 
Indiana six and two. Memphis is three and seven at home. We are one of the seven. The West, Lakers won, Denver two. I think Denver's walking toward the number one seed right now. I'll talk about that in a second. Clippers three, Dallas, Utah tied for four five. Houston six. Those Dallas is the interloper. We knew that, that was gonna be the top five, and now Dallas with Luka Magic is incredible. Phoenix is at 507. Minnesota's at 508. Sacramento has surged. They might make, they're, they're a half game out. You could see them making it. And interesting that with De'Aaron Fox out, they've gotten better. New Orleans is 6-11. I don't see it. San Antonio's lost 8 of 10. I don't see it. Memphis, Oklahoma City, Portland, and Golden State. By the way, OKC should be better than they are. Um, they're 5-10. and 10. That's a better team than that. So, interesting to see. Usually, at game 20, 15 of the 16 playoff teams are set. And I think that might be true with the one thing is if Sacramento gets in in the West. Who's hot? Over the last two weeks, the hottest team in the NBA is the Dallas Mavericks by a long shot. They're the number one offense by a ton. They're plus 15 differential. Their defense is a 109. Milwaukee's the second best team in the league in the last two weeks. Plus 13. Fifth best offense, second best defense. Denver is the third best team in the NBA over the last two weeks. Fourth best offense, seventh best defense. They have the fourth best defense in the NBA again this year. The Lakers are the fourth best team, though their defense has slipped to ninth overall. Their offense has been great. They're 16th overall defensively. Philadelphia is the fifth best team over the last two weeks with a plus eight. The Clippers are the sixth best team. Their offense is ranked 15th in that span, however. Indiana is seventh. Their offense is ranked 27th, but they have the number one defense in the NBA the last two weeks. And then Toronto. So we get four of the eight hottest teams in the league. Then Boston. And then Miami. And then Utah. We're 11th. We're the 14th ranked offense and the 9th ranked defense over the last two weeks. Houston's right under that. That's really the differential. Like, those are the 13 best teams in the league. Or 12 best teams in the league, I think. The only team that's not playing as well as they did earlier this year is Minnesota's slipped a little bit. Phoenix has slipped. But we're we're seeing the break. You know, generously to the Eastern Conference because they get to play each other. And then in the West, there are now six teams that are really competing for it. What's crazy is I don't know who the best team in the NBA is right now. Like, it's just not clear. Like, you buy in Dallas? How much are you buying Dallas? And Dallas has not, early on, it was, well, Dallas hasn't played anyone. I think that's going away. Let's take a quick look. Uh, the Lakers have not played anyone. The Lakers' December is the one to keep an eye on. Um, and honestly, the Bucks have not have dodged a bunch of bullets. And they're about to dodge one tonight when, when Rudy doesn't go. If, in fact, Rudy doesn't go. But I, I'm, not, I'm not high hopes on that one. I don't, you know. 
I, I'm never high hope. Uh, let me clarify that. I'm never high hopes until I see a guy on the floor. Who is Dallas beat that has them so hot? Houston, pretty good win at Houston. Cleveland, Golden This is in reverse order. Cleveland, Golden State, San Antonio, not that impressive. Toronto, really good win. New York, they lost. At Boston, they lost. Memphis, they beat. New York, they lost. Orlando, Cleveland, lost to the Lakers, beat Denver, impressive. Lost to Portland, beat the Pelicans, beat Washington. Little empty. You know, if we're talking about those 11, 12 top teams in the league, they beat Denver, that's pretty legit. They lost to the Lakers. They lost to Boston. They beat Toronto. It's pretty legit, actually. I mean, you're not going to, you're only going to play, they haven't played a lot of them, but they're rolling now. Now they believe. Clippers Tuesday night at Phoenix, at LA, at New Orleans coming up for Dallas. Minnesota, then New Orleans again, then home in Sacramento. They have to do the Mexico City disaster. Then they come out of that. All right, we're going to know. We're going to know really soon. Both the Lakers and Dallas play at Dallas to remember. We have our five-game stretch here. Dallas's December is at L.A., at New Orleans. Back-to-back at home against Minnesota. Chris Stapps might not go. Home against New Orleans. Home against Sacramento, back-to-back. At Detroit and Mexico City. Home against Miami. At Milwaukee. Home against Boston. At Philly. At Toronto. Brutal. Five best teams in the East back-to-back-to-back. Christmas. Home against San Antonio at Golden State, which is easy now. At Lakers, at Thunder. And then it gets, then they're home a lot of January. And we see them in that stretch. Be interesting. Lakers are similar, by the way. Lakers. And don't worry, I'll I'll finally end the show. You you may have already left, but... um, Lakers, just doing this last night. Lakers December is Dallas. Okay, they play each other. At Denver, at Utah, at Portland, home against Minnesota. Road at Orlando, at Miami, at Atlanta, at Indiana, at Milwaukee. Home against Denver, Christmas against the Clippers, at Portland, home against Dallas is their December. We'll know on both those teams in a hurry. We pretty much know on the Lakers already. That is Locked on Jazz. Thanks for tuning in. Hope you have a wonderful day. Now, tell your smart device to play the most recent episode of podcast Locked on NBA.